You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I am glad to have you on board. Well, today is Wednesday, March the 2nd. I'm really glad that you've tuned in today. This is a pretty special day in the church calendar. A lot of church traditions observe today as Ash Wednesday, a day that begins the Lent season, 40 days of spiritual preparation so that believers can approach Resurrection Sunday fully focused on Jesus, totally set apart and devoted to Him. Some believers fast from things during these 40 days. Other believers take extra intentional steps to be devoted to the Lord by adding things to their lives. But whatever you do to observe Lent this year, I want to encourage you to take these 40 days of focus and be ready for Easter. Maybe you want to invite neighbors to connect with God during these 40 days. Maybe you want to explore your own spiritual life and open a part of your world up to Jesus that you've been keeping hidden for years and ask God Search me and know me. Whatever you do, use these 40 days in a way that honors Jesus and prepares you for the Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday uh, that's coming up a few weeks from now. I want to talk about prayer again because that's what we preached about on Sunday as we walked through the nine ways. I promise to return to uh, my Read the Bible Better uh, tips, but we'll do those next week. I want to uh, just a few things about prayer that I think need to be said. So today I want to talk about what it means to pray in Jesus' name. This is a tricky topic for some believers, but I want to sort of give you an example. Probably the best place for me to show you this comes from John chapter 14, 15, and 16. So uh, that section of John's gospel, Jesus is talking to the believers, to his disciples, about two things. Number one, that he is about to leave, which means they're going to have to carry on this movement without his physical incarnate presence. But number two, that he is going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter, the counselor, the helper. He is going to send the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, these two themes sort of, you know, you go back and forth like a seesaw from these two themes where Jesus is talking to his disciples so that they will be ready to depend on the Holy Spirit and dwell with Jesus through the Holy Spirit even after he's gone. But now he's teaching them to pray knowing that he won't be there with them anymore. So this is a little bit of an adjustment. So John 14, 13, for example, says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 14, the next verse, If you ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you things and remind you of everything I've said to you. John 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. In that day, this is John 16, 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're not going to be asking me. You're going to be asking the Heavenly Father. You're going to be asking God directly. You're just going to be asking it in my name. John 16, 24. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. And ask, and you will receive. And your joy will be complete. 
John 16, 26. Jesus said, in that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. In other words, Jesus is being very clear that when he leaves, the disciples are going to pray directly to God in the name of Jesus um, and that Jesus will see to it that the Father gives whatever they're asking. So what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? Because this is a pretty strong promises, right? This is Jesus saying, anything you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, I have seen Christian people really struggle with this concept. I've seen Christian people abuse this concept. Uh, One way to talk about it is this blank check idea. So some people read this passage as if Jesus is giving the apostles a blank check. Ask for anything, sign my name to it, and I'll do it. So it, in that scenario, whatever you ask for in Jesus' name, God will give you. Now, you and I immediately hearing that, we should be able to say, wait a minute, something is wrong. That doesn't seem to be the way things unfold. It doesn't seem that we can ask anything we want and tag Jesus' name onto it. In fact, we, we learn about prayer later in James's letter that people are asking for things and not getting it because they're, they're asking with the wrong motivations to spend it on themselves, to do their business. And that will be important in a few minutes as I unpack what I think this in my name actually means. So believers ask for things and say, in Jesus' name, amen, and then they don't get the thing sometimes. So how do we, how do we settle that? Well, the way I would approach this is Jesus never meant that you ask for whatever you want and then you stick his name on it and you have this blank check prayer life where God is obligated to give you what you ask. So believers who approach prayer that way get frustrated and disappointed because they ask God for something thinking that he has to give them whatever they ask for in Jesus' name. They say in Jesus' name, and then the person they were praying for is not healed on this side of heaven. Or the thing that they wanted did not come true, did not happen. And so they say, wait a minute, Jesus told me to ask for it in his name and he would do it. But here it hasn't happened. But in that scenario, believers are forcing themselves on God and they are not doing what this passage said. So what does this mean? What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? It does not mean that you add his name to the end of the prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. We do that all the time. I do it all the time. I end my prayers in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, that's a that's kind of become a custom, a habit. You don't have to. There's no teaching that says we have to end our prayers that way. Uh, the apostles didn't all end their prayers that way when we have records of the apostles' prayers. So you don't have to end your prayer in Jesus' name, and it's not wrong that you do. I think it's a fine way to end a prayer, but that's just not what the passage means. So what does it mean? Well, if we survey that phrase other places in the gospel, we'll find that praying is not the only thing we do in Jesus' name. This gives us a clue as to what it means in prayer. I'll give you some examples. In Matthew uh, 18, verse 5, Jesus said, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. Okay, so if if a child comes to you, And whatever it means to do it in the name of Jesus, you welcome this child in Jesus' name. Well, then Jesus says you essentially have welcomed him and he's grateful. Okay. So in chapter 18, verse 20, when Jesus is teaching people how to enforce church discipline on people who are sinning and are not repentant and continue to persist in their sin, no matter who they hurt, 
you're eventually supposed to sort of kick them out of the church. It's a hard thing. But in Matthew 18, 20, Jesus says, where two or more gather in my name, there I am with them. And he's talking about church discipline when they agree to kick this person out. Jesus is with them. That's a hard thing. Interesting is that in Matthew 18, before he says that, he actually gives the believers a process. You know, first, you go to that individual one-on-one, ask them to repent. Second, you take a friend. Third, you take the elders. Fourth, you bring the whole church. But you're progressively moving through a process God gives you. And so in this case, chapter 18, verse 20 of Matthew, obviously, you can't ask or do whatever you want, tag Jesus' name onto it, and get it done. No, because here Jesus has given you a specific process. Matthew 24, verse 5, Jesus is warning about false teachers. They're going to come to deceive believers. And he said, many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. So he sort of warns us that um, you know people are going to come in claiming to be operating in his name and they're not. All right? So it's possible. To say that you're here in the name of Jesus or doing a thing in the name of Jesus and not not be true. Well, let me sort of get to the point of what I think it actually does mean. And then all these verses, I think, will make perfect sense. When Jesus tells his disciples that he's about to leave, but he's sending the Holy Spirit. And from this point forward, they should pray directly to God in Jesus' name and God will do the things that he's asking. What on earth does it mean? Well, I think, first of all, we should read the Gospels and understand what's been happening. Up until this point, Jesus has been using his authority to direct their ministry. He's the one who said, let's go to this village. He's the one who said, let's cast out these demons. He would give them authority and send them into a village to do what he told them to do. And when they'd go into those villages, they would operate in Jesus's name and under Jesus' authority. They would cast out the demons as he told them to. They would heal the sick as he told them to. They would teach as he told them to. But up to this moment, Jesus has physically been present and has been responsible for directing the ministry that the apostles were carrying out. So now that he's leaving, what does it mean for them to do things in his name? He wants them to know that they are still to function as he's taught them to function and do the things that he wants done. Jesus is alive and well. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he governs and directs the church. We are still supposed to be doing what Jesus wants to be done as the church. Well, how do we get that? And the answer in John 14, 15, and 16 is through communion with the Holy Spirit, that we would know the will of Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that we would abide in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And if we're doing that, now we know what Jesus wants to do, and we can pray in his in His name. So praying in the name of Jesus means that we're doing the business Jesus wants to be done. We're operating under his authority. We're operating according to his desires. Let me use a quick illustration that I use in our Sunday school groups and some of our small groups at Carterville. If I ask you to do a thing for me, if I ask you to, let's just use a scenario that, that can't work, right? If I said, hey, would you would you run down to the bank and and handle this business track transaction for me. If the if the banker is a good banker, well, they're going to make sure that you can legally perform that duty for me. I mean, if it's putting money in my account, I'm sure they'll let you do it. But if it's drawing money out, they're going to need to know if you're doing what I wanted you to do. Is there any legal document that says that you're empowered to do this? How do they know? Is, is your name 
on my account? Have I given you authority? Because otherwise they'll run the risk that you might be standing there at the bank teller saying, can you empty Ben's account and give me his money? Trust me, this is what he wants. I'm here operating in Ben's name. I'm doing Ben's business. I'm according to Ben's will. But they're afraid that you might not be. And if you're not, well, then you're robbing me blind. Well, I think sometimes when we decide what we want and then just tag Jesus' name on the end of the prayer, we're trying to use his name to do our will. And that is not praying in Jesus' name. For us really to function in Jesus' name means that we would be operating under his legitimate authority, doing his business as he wants it done. And so our prayers are going to be answered when we're doing the thing that Jesus wants us to do. We're joining him in his work, and the Holy Spirit leads us into that ministry, and that's when we begin to see all these things start to happen. But it's not because we can attach Jesus' name onto our desires. See, the first step is that our desires have to be conformed to his will. He's the head of the church. We have to let him be in charge. So this makes sense of what James says when he criticizes believers for praying for their pleasures and their desires so they could spend it on themselves. Prayer was never intended to be that way. This makes sense of what it means to welcome a child in the name of Jesus. We're trying to do what Jesus wants in Jesus' name. Jesus will get credit for it, and we're doing it because Jesus is directing our ministry. This is what he's told us. This makes sense of how Jesus can give us steps for church discipline, expect us to carry them out according to his design, and then assure us that where we're gathered on this in agreement, he's with us. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? It means that you're doing what he wants. It means that you and I have surrendered our prayer lives to the heart and the mind of Jesus. And when we pray in his name, any of those things will be done. So I hope that you get to see God do remarkable things. But I even more so hope that your prayer life begins to conform to the heart and the mind and the will of Jesus. That you remember that he's alive and well and let him lead the ministry just like he did in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let the communion with the Holy Spirit teach you to abide in Christ so that you and I can pray in his name and watch God do even greater things than we saw as we turned the pages of the gospel. Church family, I love you. Pray well. I want to encourage you to use these next 40 days to prepare your heart and your mind for the resurrection of Jesus. I love you. God bless you. 